Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off-season, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this actually outside on an absolutely beautiful day in Pasadena, California, on my porch that overlooks the historic Rose Bowl. Let me just tell you something. I, I, I want to talk to you about something that is really uh, great about what is happening on a day like today. You know, the season's begun, and you have a few day games that go on. And every once in a while, this is the great thing about social media. I think we're seeing in the news in recent you know, weeks some of the downsides of social media. But one of the positive things is when an event like what happened on the afternoon of the 30th takes place, a lot of people can share in it if you go to the Twitter, if you go to whatever it is you use. I like to use the Twitter during the ball game. And that was a game that was between the Detroit Tigers and the Pittsburgh Pirates that ended not too long ago. And it was a day game. And for a while, it was the only game that was on. And with that in mind, if you're following a game during the day, people on Twitter can make their comments or make their observations, post it there, and you can share it. It's kind of like being at a bar or kind of like being amongst friends, but friends are spread out all over the world. In this case, some literally the world, as, as my buddy Mark up in Great Britain posted a few things about the game as well. And I believe Cubs fan with an eight did from Zurich. I could be wrong about that. Forgive me, buddy. But I got to tell you something. The game that ended was a 13 to 10 game in 13 innings. And a lot of things crossed my mind about this specific game. And it reminded me of a movie, very specifically Flash Gordon. Bear with me. This is going to make sense. You know the film Flash Gordon that came out in 1980 with the Queen music? I have a very complicated relationship with that film because I know it's not good. It is horribly written. The script is an absolute mess. The performances range from the incredibly campy to, uh, I don't even know what I'm looking at with Sam Jones, who plays Flash Gordon. It's a very good-looking dude, very physical dude, can't act. And it's tough when the lead of an epic comedy, science fiction, whatever the hell it was film, can't act. And you look at the dialogue, it's terrible. The plot really doesn't make any sense. The climax is ridiculous. The special effects, I know, are supposed to resemble the 30s serial, but they look stupid. The film is ridiculous, and yet, in its own way, it's undeniably entertaining. And in its own way, there are parts of it that are great, especially the Queen music, and there's a specific scene when the Hawkmen are diving, is simultaneously brilliant and terrible. Well, that's a little bit of how I felt about this game. This game was the Hawkmen dive of, or actually the correct line was, you know, first wave dive, second wave dive. But I knew there were movie buffs out there who would say, you know, that Voltan actually didn't say that. Brian Blessed didn't say that. I know. Who the hell 
do you think you're talking to? But, ostensibly, it was a back-and-forth game. It was a game where a lot of runs were scored, they were coming from behind rallies and everything. And on the, so you would think, okay, that was an exciting game. It's extra innings, rallies, comebacks to, you know, two wild ninth-inning rallies. But on the other hand, it was so ugly and so weird and so badly played that you're kind of, you know, hiding your face going, oh, God, is this, is this, is this good or is this bad? I can't tell. Am I enjoying this or hating this? And that's how I feel about Flash Gordon. Am I enjoying this or am I hating this? And this game that was going on, like, am I, is this game good or is this awful? Is this everything that you want in the game? Lots of scoring and lots of, you know, wild plays? Or is this just an awful game between two teams, the Pirates and the Tigers, neither one is ex- anyone's really picking either of these teams this year. And is this what we're going to see a lot when you have two not very good teams play each other? You know, I mean, first of all, the Pirates, the, the final scores I said was 13 to 10. Four runs were charged to a uh, uh, Feliz, uh, a reliever who threw, um, actually required, uh, uh, retired no batters. He let up four runs, and Rivero let up four runs. So that's in two-thirds, they combined for two-thirds of innings. These two pitchers recorded two outs and were charged with eight runs. Everyone else... Nova let up two runs in five innings. No other pitcher was charged with a run. So basically, if it wasn't for those two pitchers, the Pirates would have won this one rather handily. But it was also, it was a crap, the pitching of the, of the game in some ways, I mean, you had, you know, the ball all over the zone. You had the umpire hit. They had to replace the home plate umpire. You know, and, and they were running out of players, they were running out of, of, of pitchers in this game. And you had the in the top of the ninth inning, Pittsburgh scored four runs. This was after the bullpen, the Pirate bullpen blew the game in the seventh, the Tiger bullpen blew the game in the eighth, and then the Pirates erupted for four runs in the ninth. So they have a four-run lead in the ninth, and then... The, the reliever just couldn't throw a strike. And then all of a sudden, the Tigers scored four runs. And, we're, and, and I posted something on Twitter saying, if the Tigers tie this game, I'm going to throw my shoe at the television. The Tigers tied the game. And if you follow me on Twitter, you will see I threw my shoe at the television. I aimed for the side. I really wasn't going to break the TV for a joke. And I had better pinpoint control than any of the relievers in this game. And then, of course, it went into extra innings. And the Tigers scored a run to win the game in the bottom of the 10th until they took a look at the instant replay. And, man, it was, when you talk about inconclusive, I couldn't tell. I honestly couldn't tell. Now, I like the Pirates. But I don't really have a dog in this fight. And to me, 
the call was made on the field was safe, and I thought, like, well, now they're not going to overturn this. It's not conclusive enough. And they did. And so it went to the 11th, and it went to the 12th. And poor Justin Wilson, who was, a, you know, a short reliever for the Tigers, had to go pitch one inning, then a second inning, then a third. He was brought out for a fourth inning. He pitched three and two-thirds innings. And he was gassed. He's not, he doesn't pitch more than two innings. And it went into the 13th inning. And Gregor Polanco hit a home run with two outs on a 3-0 count to make it 13-10. And of course the Tigers rallied. Of course the Tigers put the tying run at the plate. And I just assumed they were going to hit it. And they got out of it. And here we are, opening day, 13-10. Piles of pitchers used on either side. And man, when you take a look at some of them who were used early in the game... Like uh, Sal Pold, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him, neither have you. He threw 10 pitches in the seventh inning. The Pirates had a pitcher. Oh, boy, I'm going to give a shot to say this guy's name. Um, uh, He was born in Lithuania. We have a Lithuanian pitcher as we're tapping into new markets. And his name is Doyadas Neveroxis. All right, I know I said both of those names wrong. He threw 11 pitches in the sixth inning. And I guarantee you, when the Pirates are looking around going like, um, can we, is there anyone left in the bullpen? Yeah, remember that guy we used in the sixth inning? He only threw 11 pitches and we took him out. Yeah, yeah, maybe he should have thrown a second inning. Now, what this does is it shows a couple of things. Uh, According to the, the replay the, he was out at the home plate. And do you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there was an angle I didn't see or whatever. And imagine how this game would have been if there was this back and forth and back and forth and it was a blown call to end it. Nothing's worse than that. I've seen those games. There was the 18-inning game between the Pirates and... And the Braves back in, I believe it was 2011 or 2012, where Jerry Meals just absolutely butchered the call at the bottom of the 18th inning. It was one of the worst call butcherings I've ever seen in my life. And it put a bad taste in everyone's mouth because this great, wonderfully played 18-inning game, no one remembers that. All we remember is a blown call. And if this was ended on a call, which I, oh man, I don't know about that, it would have put too bad of a spin on a game that was already bananas. But what this also did was it confirmed something that I said on a previous podcast. Now, if you listen to this podcast, and chances are if you listen to me right now, you do listen to this podcast, go back to the March 20th podcast where I made a case for the tie. For the tie in regular seasons. After, and my point was, after 12 innings, it's a tie. We move on to the next day. Move on to the next day. You had 12 innings to, to, to solve. You had regulation, 10th, 11th, 12th, and then that's it. Of course, in the postseason, goes on forever. It goes on for 20, 30 innings. Doesn't matter. But in a regular season game, 
An event like today's is extraordinarily rare. Some teams go an entire 162-game season without playing one game that sees the 13th inning. Of course, the Tigers and the Pirates right now have played 100% of their games past the 12th inning, but that's, this is an anomaly. And the idea of dragging poor Justin Wilson out there and possibly risking him for an injury. When you're using relievers who are not in their traditional role and you're asking them to go longer than they normally do, you're, you're putting the risk of injury. You're putting a risk of wearing the team out in a way for a regular season game. You would have put all of those thoughts to rest if you knew after the 12th, we're going home. You know, the idea of we got to save one pitcher out there in case this goes 17, 18 innings. Do you know what? If your pitcher's tiring out, you take him out. You know, we're not going past this point. We do have a cutoff. And I do believe that that would have worked with this game. If this game ended after 12 and someone came up and said, neither one of you teams won, okay, I think that would actually be the most fair outcome of this game. Because neither team played like a team that deserved to win. In fact, if we find out later that gamblers paid off the Tigers to blow this game and then another set of gamblers paid the Pirates to blow this game and so both teams were trying to blow the game, would the outcome be much different than what we saw today? This game was absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And no one would be worse off if this, well, this was a tie. And whatever pitchers, you could manage the pitchers in extra innings the way you want without keeping it, you know, without keeping the, uh, uh, that one extra one out there. And you won't be hearing things like, oh, they may have to send a few people down to the minor leagues so they can call up a couple of fresh arms. You won't have to do stuff like that. Imagine if this went to the 17th or 18th inning and both the Pirates and Detroit had to use like position players to pitch. Not a position player in a blowout game where you're like, you know what, let's just bring in the shortstop to pitch. That happened in the League Championship Series a couple of years ago where the, uh, the Blue Jays brought in a position player to pitch because they didn't want to blow out the bullpen's arms. That's one thing. But you're bringing position players to pitch in a game where they could actually get the decision, in a game which is already tied. Imagine if something like that happened. How would that be good? How would that be good for the game, especially if it probably won't happen? But imagine if the Pirates or the Tigers find themselves in contention later in the season. Battling for, you know, the Tigers battling for a wild card. The, the Pirates trying to stay in there. And all of a sudden, you remember, you know, and, and like a game or two decides whether or not they're in it in September. And say, oh, yeah, remember there was that one game where by the end it was a third baseman for the Pirates pitching against the second baseman of the Tigers? Would that be good for baseball? I feel vindicated for what I said. And what I felt and what I feel. That ties can work under certain situations. And here we are, the second day of the season, opening day for 
the Pirates opening day for the Tigers, we say, yeah, do you know what? If that ended as a 10-10 tie, that's probably an accurate description of what we just saw. It was fun to be on Twitter with all the other people following the game and bouncing back and forth. That's a great thing. And it was great seeing that, you know what? There's a lot of players who are now can check and say, yep, uh, I've played in the 2018 season. I'm a major leaguer. I'm now in baseballreference.com, the single greatest website, the history of the planet Earth. You used to say you're in the baseball encyclopedia, but now you say baseballreference.com. So there we go. Pittsburgh, Detroit. The Steelers beat the Lions 13-10 in an absolute wackadoodle game. And guess what? The beauty of baseball is at 10 a.m. tomorrow Pacific time, 1 o'clock in Detroit, those two teams are playing again. They're playing again. And it'll be interesting to see how many pitchers who pitched in today's wackadoodle marathon also would wind up pitching tomorrow. Don't be afraid of the tie. Don't be afraid you got to have a winner. Do you? In 162 games, do you? This may only affect three or four games all year long. Do you really need to see that? Well, it was funny that there was a game that started probably two or three hours after the uh, Pirate-Tiger marathon, and that game was the polar opposite. That was a 2 nothing game. Max Scherzer was spectacular, friend of the... Podcast Sean Doolittle picked up the save. Homer Bailey let up one run in the first, and that's all he let up, but that was enough to get a hard luck loss. And the Nationals won that game two to nothing. Just not probably only a maybe 20, 30 minutes after the bizarre 13 to 10 marathon. And that's one of the great things about this game, and we're already seeing it. We've seen a few pitchers duels like that one. Or the Felix Hernandez Corey Kluber game the other night, or the uh, Clayton Kershaw losing one nothing to the San Francisco Giants. We've seen some slugfests, like the walk off homers by uh, by Nick Markakis in the wild come from behind game that the Braves topped the Phillies, or that game where the Orioles won in that in a wonderful game against the Twins. Max Kepler like fouled off 48 pitches or something like that before setting up the game-tying single by Grossman in the ninth. And then Adam Jones hits a walk-off homer. He had to come from behind win by the Rays over the Red Sox, which I didn't particularly care for, but what are you going to do? A three-home run game by Davidson, a two-home run game by Anderson, a two-home run game by Giancarlo Stanton. We're only two days into this season, and we're seeing this wonderful variety of games. It's wonderful. There's some games going on right now. But if you think I'm wrong, if you think that uh, this game that was played today was best used as not, that it would not have been well served as a tie, then explain to me and explain to me via Twitter so we can have this conversation out in public at Sully Baseball. Meanwhile, I'll watch some clips of that game. And there's some parts of that game I say, man, that was awesome. And you ask me, what do you think? I said, I don't know. It was kind of dumb. It was kind of a mess. 
But some really entertaining parts. The ending was weird. But I guess it was pretty good. And isn't that exactly how you'd react to Flash Gordon? I'll look at the, some of the, the, the home run by Polanco or some of the doubles into the gap the same way that scene where you see the Hawkman landing on the, the spaceship with the Queen music blasting, and that's undeniably cool. And yet, man, there are some, game, some parts of the game that you look at and say, man, geez, what a mess. And then you watch a couple of scenes where Sam J. Jones actually has to deliver lines and go, oh, man. This is awful. But what's not awful is the fact that the season's going on, and I'm going to keep doing these podcasts. So go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Flash Gordon. And trying to find a way to connect it to all this mess. This has been Sully Baseball here for the last day of March 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Oh, well, who wants to live forever?